Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Ray Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warmer fellow below, welcome to Looks Down at Screen, Rochester, Minnesota, my fourth different city in the last seven days for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, we got a great podcast for you. We're going to be joined by Jeff Parles of the Vegas Heads and Information Network. He always does terrific work. He's doing work over there with VEASAN's Bet Center. He also helps out with Gil Alexander Monday through Friday doing the show, a numbers game as his producer. So you've got a whole lot going on there. Handicaps a little bit of everything. Has joined me a lot on this podcast, and he always delivers. So going to have him on in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys sign total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday and a little something like call, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. we got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Naming does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we did wind up seeing a great day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The demise of the San Diego Padres continue. They are now 11 and 22 in their last 33 games, and they get dump trucked by the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 82. 
Vince Velasquez got the start for the Padres, a man that should not be starting a game for a team that's in contention for the postseason, and he looked like it. He gave up four runs in four innings, including a pair of bombs. Going deep for the St. Louis Cardinals, Mr. Tyler O'Neill, 27th home run season, and then Dylan Carlson would get his 14th home run season, and then he would go deep for his 15th home run season off of Ross Sattweiler, who also should not be pitching on this team, giving up a run in his two-thirds of an inning, and then you wind up having Austin Adams give up three runs in a third of an inning to Nelson Lamette, two scoreless innings all the bullpen and Ryan Weathers, a scoreless inning, a pair of guys that may have been in starters roles this year, so that's not great. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, what was solid was Miles Michaelis, five and two-thirds inning, scoreless CJ McFarland does give up a pair of runs while getting just one out of the bullpen, but Luis Garcia scoreless inning, Genesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes both combined for a scoreless inning, and Cody Whitley, able to polish things up with a scoreless inning. The San Francisco Giants go to extras with the Atlanta Braves, and if you wound up tailing the New York Post pick, this was brutal as this game was going into the ninth inning 4-2 with the San Francisco Giants up and of course you wind up having three runs scored by the Atlanta Braves and of all things Kevin Gosman's sacrifice fly in the 11th inning was the game winner for the San Francisco Giants by a count of 65 and by the way the San Francisco Giants now 16-1 and in the last 17 starts of Logan Webb, as Mr. Webb has now given up two runs or fewer in all but two of those starts, going seven innings, giving up two runs. Dominique Leon and Tony Watson both gave you a scoreless inning, but Tyler Rogers wound up failing the same, giving up three runs in an inning, including a homer. Travis Arno got his seventh home run in the season, but you were able to get a scoreless inning out of Camilio Duvall. A quadrant of homers for the San Francisco Giants gets it done. Lamonte Wade, 18th home run season. Brandon Crawford, 21st. Brandon Belt, 26th. And for Donovan Solano, he gets his 7th. As Solano's home run came in the ninth inning, that wound up forcing extras off of Will Smith. He got jiggy with it, giving up that run in his inning. Ian Anderson gives up the other three bombs, giving up three home runs, four runs in total, and five and two-thirds innings. And the bullpen, other than that home run by Smith, did their part. Jacob Webb gives up an unearned run in the 11th inning. Tyler Madzik, along Sean Newcomb, Chris Martin, all give you a scoreless inning as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, they are now 96-52. and They maintain the top spot in the NL West, and that is because the LA Dodgers wind up losing to the Cincinnati Reds by a count of 3-1 for the Dodgers. Walker Buehler winds up giving up three runs over the course of six innings. For him, a bad start, but for the 28th time in his 30 starts, goes at least six innings. From there, Corey Knable, Bersuiter, Gratterall, both give you a scoreless inning. Just nothing doing for the LA Dodgers, who, by the way, in their last 30 games, have played just seven of them over the total. And for the Cincinnati Reds, Luis Castillo, ever since he wound up having a 10 start stretch, which was really bad. As the team went 1 and 9 in that stretch, he has ever since then a right around 280 RA. Six and a third inning scoreless. Luis Sessa gives you five outs out of the bullpen. Michael Lorenzo does give up a run in the ninth inning, but it wasn't enough to do much damage as the Reds able to do just enough to be able to get the job done, though they have now scored four runs or fewer in 10 out of their last 11 games. The Philadelphia Phillies do just enough to be able to get the job done as they take down the New York Metropolitans by a count of 4 to 3. They were able to get a Brad Miller home run off of Tybal Walker. 19th home run season for Taiwan Walker. He certainly has been giving up the deep ball. Wasn't too bad in this one, but if you take a look over his last 11 pitching appearances, he has now given up 17 home runs as he winds up giving up that go for a ball two runs in total over the course of five innings. Aaron Loop along with Edwin Diaz both give you a scoreless inning. Brad Andrews at Familia combined for an inning, giving up a run, and Seth Lugo gives up a run in an inning, but for the Mets, three of time with men in scoring position. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler didn't go deep, but he went solidly in this one, giving up one run over the course of five innings. Jose Alvarado Sam Coonrod, Ian Kennedy. I'll give you a scoreless saying in the case of Kennedy. Four outs out of the bullpen after Archie Bradley gave up a pair of runs while getting just two outs, but the Phillies needed that as you take a look at them now in the wildcard standings and 
They are still very much in this thing. Only two and a half games back of that second wild card spot, currently being held on by the St. Louis Cardinals. Meanwhile, the Mets, they're six back. They are pretty much toast. The Pittsburgh Pirates have been toast for a long time, along with the Miami Marlins, but the two hooked up in Miami on Friday, and one team had to get the win, and it was the Pirates by kind of two to one as they wind up leaving them on base, go one of nine with men in scoring position, but one William Crow gave a good start in this one, giving up one run over the course of five innings. Anthony Panda, Nick Mears, goodbye for two scoreless innings. Chad Cool, Chris Strain, both give you a scoreless inning apiece, and for the Miami Marlins, bullpen was solid in this one. Anthony Bass, Zach Thompson, both give you a scoreless innings. Stephen O'Kirk, it's four outs on the bullpen, and then you have Eliezer Hernandez, not give up any earned runs, but he was there by Chad as Jislam's 24th fielding error of the season as he gives up two unearned runs that wound up costing the team and the Miami Marlins. They go one of nine with men in scoring position, so that was the epitome of brutality. The Rangers have been pretty brutal all year long, and that continued on Friday, 8-0. They got shot out by the Chicago White Sox as for Dylan Cease entered into this game with north of a 5-2 ERA on the road. He looked tremendous. 10 strikeouts, 5 scoreless settings. Aaron Bummer, Ryan Burr, Jose Ruiz, Jace Fry all give you scoreless settings. And for the White Sox, no one runs, but they go 5-14 with men in scoring position as Taylor Hearn, who the Rangers had been 5-3 in his last 8 starts in, and he had given up 3 runs or fear in pretty much all but one of them. He got tattooed in this one, giving up 7 runs in 3 and a third innings. Gerald Cotton, 2 and 2 thirds inning scoreless. Spencer Patton gives up a run in an inning. Josh Shorbich, Joe Barlow both give you a scoreless inning, but for the Rangers, they leave 12 men on base and they scored zero runs. That's a bad night at the office. If you wind up having the Easton Astros on the run line, that's a bad night at the office as the Diamondbacks wind up scoring in the 10th inning and then they give up another two in the 10th as this was a very strange one as the Houston Astros able to get the job done by a count of 4-3 to three. for the Arizona Diamondbacks. You wind up getting... Cole Calhoun, his fourth home run of the season, has it's been a rough one from, but the team went 2 of 14 with men in scoring position. Madison Baumgartner, after giving up four plus runs and four straight starts, looks solid in this one, giving up two runs over the course of seven innings. JB Wendelkin, Noe Ramirez, Joe Manette typically combined for two scoreless innings, but then Tyler Clippert gives up two runs, one of which was earned in the 10th inning as the Houston Astros had Brandon Belak pretty much as a pseudo opener in this one, two and two thirds innings. Scoreless Blake Taylor gives you four outs out of the bullpen. Christian Avier gives up a run in one and a third innings. Phil Maintenance scoreless inning. Ryan Presley a scoreless inning. Brooks Bradley gives you two outs out of the bullpen. And then Kendall Graveman gives up a run in his inning, but Ryan Stanek able to get the job done, gives up that unearned run in the 10th inning, which was enough as the Houston Astros got a home run off the bat of Jose Altuve, his 28th home run of the season to be able to get it done. The Seattle Mariners, speaking of teams out there in the American League West, they're not dead for a wild card spot. They are now three and a half games out of that second spot as they take down the Kansas City Royals by a count of six to two. And Chris Flexen, three runs or fear, giving up an eight out of his last nine road starts. Five and two thirds innings gives up one run. Josh Smith gives you an out of the bullpen. Drew Second Rider to give up a home run in two thirds of an inning going deep. Hunter Dozier, 13th home run season, but for the M's. Paul Seawald, four outs out of the bullpen. Diego Castillo, a scoreless inning. And Jared Kelnick starting to put something together for this bunch. He winds up going deep not once but twice for his 11th and 12th home runs of the season. And in the last 30 days, you've got Jared Kelnick, who's now been able to give the team, I believe, seven home runs in this time span. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, you wind up having the first start of the career of John Helsley. And, oh boy, that was Helsley bad. Giving up four runs over the course of four innings, including both of those homers. Tyler Zuber, Greg Holland, Scott Blewett all give you a scoreless inning. Jake Brenz, Kyle Zimmer both go an inning, both giving up a run and the Kansas City Royals leave 10 men on base. He had a couple men left on base in this one as well, but the Oakland A's able to get the job done by a count of 5-4. to four. The A's, they leave 11 men on base, but they had just enough firepower in this one, despite the fact that they had 
three errors as it was the first career start for Mr. Jonathan Diaz for the LA Angels. He gave up two runs over the course of one and two-thirds innings. Kyle Tyler in long relief gives up one run in two and two-thirds innings, and he's actually been good in the long roll. Jose Quijada gives up an unearned run in his inning. You wind up having two-thirds of an inning from Jose Marte. He gives up an unearned run as well, being hurt by some errors out there in the field. Andrew Wants gives you two scoreless innings. Steve Ciszek gives you a scoreless inning as well, but the Oakland A's took advantage of those errors as Cole Irvin winds up giving up Four runs, just one of which was earned, though, as he does wind up giving up a deep shot going deep for the Angels. Kurt Suzuki, fifth home run of the campaign. And then Jake Diekman, Luke Trevino, Submergio Romo. I'll give you a scoreless setting to be able to get the job done there. Speaking of being able to get the job done, that's what the Tampa Bay Rays did in 10 innings against the Detroit Tigers. Thanks to a Brett Phillips walk-off home run. 7-4 to the final. If you took the run line with the Detroit Tigers, this is brutal. As Casey Mize, clearly on an innings restriction right now, gives up one run over the course of three innings. Derek Holland along Drew Hutchinson combined for three scoreless innings. Andrew Lang, Kyle Funkhauser, Michael Fulmer all give you a scoreless inning, but Gregory Soto gives up three runs without getting a single out, and then Ryan Garcia in the 10th gives up that home run to Mr. Phillips, so he gives up three runs, two of which were earned, and Akil Badu was able to go deep off of Luis Patino for his 13th home run season for Patino. His home and road splits are starting to equalize, gives up four runs over the course of six innings, entered into this game with a sub-3 home ERA and a north of 5-5 ERA on the road, though the bullpen did their part. Andrew Kittridge, David Robertson, Nick Anderson, and Lewis Head all give you a scoreless setting for the Tampa Bay Rays. Certainly the Minnesota Twins, and I'm here in the state of Minnesota, aren't contending for the postseason, but they showed some life on Friday. 7-3, they take down the Toronto Blue Jays for the Twinkies. You wind up getting a quadrant of home runs. Brent Rooker is 8th home run of the season. Ore Palanco is 31st. Miguel Sano, don't you know that that is his 29th? And Josh Donaldson is 23rd as Michael Pineda was not Michael Pineda. He does give up 3 runs over the course of 5 and 2 thirds innings. Only one of which was earned, though. He was hurt by a pair of hours out there in the field as Flagger Jr. now is the lead for most home runs in the big leagues with 46 on the campaign as it was Ore Palanco wanted committing both of those errors, but bullpen did their job. Alex Galme, Ty Duffy both give you a scoreless inning and Ore Alcala winds up giving you one and a third innings out of the bullpen. Meanwhile, for the Blue Jays, Unjin Ryu just does not look right right now. He gives up five runs over the course of two innings. He has now given up three plus runs and I think now five out of his last eight starts. Ross Stripling in long relief gives up just one run over the course of three innings. Julian Merriweather gives up a solo run in his inning of work and then Nate Pearson, Ryan Baruki, along with Adam Simber, I'll give you a scoreless inning, but the Blue Jays certainly need these games as they had won 11 out of their last 13 going into this one, and that one hurts. This hurts the fear of the Chicago Cubs, just all the losses that they've taken in general. The trade deadline and on the field, and they wind up blowing this one in the eighth inning. Eight to five, the Brewers are able to get it done as the Cubs blow another four-plus run lead in this one as they got up by a count of four to zero, and then they give up a four spot in the eighth as... Frank Schwindel goes deep for the ninth time in the last 21 days. His 14th home run of the campaign, and for Zach Davies, not necessarily a great start. He gives up four runs over the course of four and a third innings, but Rowan Wick gives up four runs, and he got two outs still. Maples gives you an out out of the bullpen. Cody Hoyer, five outs out of the pen, and Trevor McGill gives you a scoreless setting. And then when you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers, this was not necessarily a banner night for Adrian Houser, giving up five runs, four of which were earned over the course of four innings, but they were able to hold down the Cubs when men got in scoring position as the Cubs went two of 15 with runners in scoring position. 
Under Strickland gives you a scoreless saying a long shot shader. And then Aaron Ashby is going to be a guy that the Brewers use in the postseason in sort of a super reliever three scoreless settings in this one for the Brewers to be able to get it done. The New York Yankees get it done as well, shutting out the Cleveland Indians by a count of 8-0. to zero. For the Windians, they were more like the Losians as Zach Plesak. Sad bad luck whenever he's taking the mound just with his opponents and the way that he's pitched, giving up five runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of bombs going deep for the New York Yankees off of him. Mr. Joey Gallo, 37th home run season. Aaron Judge gets his 35th. And then Brett Gardner will go deep off of Nick Wickren, 9th home run season. And John Carlos Sand is 29th home run season. That came off of John Carlos Mejia, who winds up giving up two home runs over the course of his inning, giving up two runs in total. And Nick Wickren winds up giving up a solo home run of his own. And for the New York Yankees, Cody Kaluber, six scoreless settings. Michael King, two scoreless settings. And Lucas Lukey was able to give you a scoreless setting as well. And for Joey Gallo, he actually wound up getting a home run off of Mr. Mejia as well. So he's now up to 37 this year. And the Colorado Rockies are up to getting wins. They are now on the road 18 and 17 in their last 35 after they began the year 6 and 33 in their first 39. So quite a turnaround here, 9-8. They take down the Washington Nationals as Odomon Marquez did not have it in this one, giving up six runs over the course of four innings, including a deep fly going deep for the Washington Nationals. That would be Mr. Lane Thomas, his fifth home run season. Fortunately, Josiah Gray stunk in this one as well, giving up five runs in five and a third innings as he has now given up five plus runs in each out of his last four starts. From there, you wind up having Mr. Alberto Borladano give up two runs in two-thirds of an inning, including Homer, Mason Thompson, Patrick Murphy both give you a scoreless inning, but Kyle Finnegan gives up two runs, including Homer, in his inning of work going deep for the Colorado Rockies off of Finnegan. Mr. Elias Diaz, his 18th home run season, Brendan Rodgers will go deep off of Josiah Gray, 13th home run season, and Baladano gave one up to Sam Elliott, his 11th home run season, and then for the Rockies bullpen, Ashton Gadu, Jordan Sheffield, Tyler Kinley, Carlos Estevez, I'll give you a score saying you least seen gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Lucas Gilbreth was able to give you two-thirds of an inning scoreless. And speaking of a team that was held relatively scoreless, the Baltimore Orioles says they were pretty much lacked by the Boston Red Sox. 7-1 to one the final as the Orioles, their lone form of offense, a home run by Austin the Sayers kid. His 21st home run season off of Chris Sale as Keegan Aiken did not have it in this one. Giving up four runs over the course of four innings, including Homer going deep for the Boston Red Sox. Bobby Dahlbeck, who now has, I believe, 10 home runs in the last 30 days. His 23rd home run in the campaign. And then from there, Marco C. Plan gives you a scoreless setting. You wind up getting a pair of outs out of Eric Hanhold out of the bullpen. And Spencer Watkins, who scoreless setting. But you also wind up having Dustin Knight give up three runs. He got just one out of the bullpen. And for Chris Sale, not landing a lot of length right now, but just gives up that solo run over the course of five innings. And it causes Matt Barnes, Martin Perez, and Garrett Woodlock. I'll give you a scoreless setting. So what are we all seeing in Major League Baseball right now? Now, well, if you're taking a look at what we've seen over the last 30 days, a lot of unders, you're going to find out the last seven. We've seen quite a few overs, but in the last seven days, 190 unders and 174 overs. So about 52.2% of games have been going under the last 30 days. Favorites in this time span, 231 and 157, and at a rate of 59.5% in home teams. 194 and 199 in the last 30 days, so a losing record there. Meanwhile, you take a look at the last seven days, and home teams are 41 and 50, hitting at a rate of 45.1%. Favorites in the time span have rebounded 55 and 36, hitting a little bit over 60% of the time, and then overs have also done very well the last seven days. 
47 and 35. So about 57.3% of games going over over the last seven days, according to covers. But for the season, the under still has a little bit of a lead at 1,052 and 1,038. So overall this year, 50.3% of games are going under home teams overall for the year, winning 54% of the time, 1,187 and 1,011. Meanwhile, favorites, 1,295 and 882. So that's what we're all seeing from Major League Baseball trend-wise. And that's what we wound up seeing on Friday. Now let's turn the page forward to Saturday with our good friend Jeff Parles of the Vegas Hats and Information Network to take a look at these crazy postseason races and try to find some winners and some money on the Saturday betting board. That is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Rochester, Minnesota. I actually got it on the first take this time. For the Baseball Betting Podcast, myself, Greg Peterson. Great to be joined by our guest as this man does a great job helping out Gil Alexander on a numbers game from Monday through Friday. You were able to catch that from 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific. When it comes to Eastern time, that is 10 a.m. to noon on the East Coast. And then you're able to catch this man on the weekends doing VEASAN's Bet Center. That is always evening slash overnights over there. He does a terrific job when it comes to handicapping a little bit of everything, as it is Jeff Parles joining me on the podcast. And to be able to catch him on Twitter, that is at his name, Jeff Parles. And that is Jeff with a J, not a G-E. And Jeff, it is always a pleasure to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you. Rochester, Minnesota. You are truly a man of every locale, Greg Peterson. This is our third different location in eight days for this podcast, so that is a new record. I don't know if we're going to be breaking this record anytime soon, but you know what? Hey, technically four. I was in Bloomington, Minnesota, which is right near Minneapolis yesterday, so you know what? We are traveling all over the place. And speaking of all over the place, how about this National League wildcard race? <laughs> the San Diego Padres wound up losing once again on Friday. You got a Cincinnati Reds team that didn't look so stellar against the Pittsburgh Pirates. You got the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets grasping at straws to be able to hang in on this one. I mean, my goodness, does anyone want this at this point? Because, I mean, I take a look at the Reds and they've got by far the easiest schedule, but I still think that there's a chance that the Cardinals wind up pulling this off just because they seem to be playing the best baseball at this point. Well, look, Greg, everyone has been horrible except for St. Louis in this race since the beginning of August. And that's the only reason that this Cardinal team that was, Greg, I would say the Cardinals were the biggest disappointment in the National League for the first four and a half, five months of the season. And since August came around, they just have been quietly handling their business and everyone else has imploded around them. The Mets just got swept by St. Louis this week, which included a vintage, hilarious, disastrous extra inning loss by the Mets in the middle of that series. When this is all said and done, if the Cardinals pulled this off, if you're the Reds and the Phillies, this was put on a silver platter for both of you. And for the Phillies, you had two races put on a silver platter for you. You had this wild card race and you had the NL East where you were three games ahead of Atlanta after sweeping the Mets at the beginning of August with no Ronald Acuna and the easiest remaining schedule of anyone in the National League, period, at that point for the Phillies. And they may miss the playoffs. Oh, and by the way, Bryce Harper might win the MVP anyway, and they still might miss the playoffs. The Padres, look, Greg, going into the year, the Padres had obviously the huge expectations. They were second favorites to win the National League. They were the third favorites to win the World Series. Only the Dodgers and the Yankees had shorter odds. I really do think, Greg, more than anything, 
they really nuked their season early on because Jace Tingler and company absolutely pummeled their bullpen early in the year. They really needed their bullpen to pitch well down the stretch, and their bullpen has just been gassed. So for me, the Padres, the Reds, and the Phillies, if the Cardinals pull this off, and I think they're going to at this point, as wild as it is, they have the most con- they, they've been the most consistent in every form at this point. Hitting, pitching, everything has been most consistent for them down the stretch here. So look, I think the Cardinals are going to pull this thing off, and I think you're going to have a lot of teams thinking, hmm, what if we just handled our business the last two months? We would have been able to make the playoffs. And again, I think for the Phillies, it's the worst of it all. Because they had two races they could have won, and I don't think they're winning either of them. The noise that you heard in the background, I'm not necessarily sure what it was, but I think that's the sound of the San Diego Padres trying to put together their pitching rotation at this point. Oh, that, 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 was, that was, that was, Greg, that was me grabbing a non-alcoholic beverage out of my fridge and not and, and nonchalantly accidentally knocking a stick of butter into the, the little butter holder on the top right corner of the fridge. So it's a job well done by all of us there. I was about to say, that's the sound of the San Diego Padres trying to put together their pitching rotation at this point. So Vince Velasquez wound up getting a start as trying to be on the podcast. We do have Jeff Farrells of the Vegas Sense and Information Network. And when I just take a look at Saturday and the weekend in general, we do have a couple intriguing series out there. And one that I think is going to be very fascinating is this Oakland A's versus LA Angels series as you've got Dalton Jeffries getting the start for the Oakland A's. And we're talking about how big of a calamity things are when it comes to the National League wildcard race, the American League wildcard has its own intrigue, and the Oakland A's, as we're recording this podcast Friday evening, are three games out, and they need, and I mean need, these games against the LA Angels because you take a look at their upcoming series. They've got a combined, I believe it's 13 games against the Houston Astros and the Seattle Mariners. They've also got, I think there's one other series, but I know that they've got a bunch of Mariners. They've got a bunch of Astros to close out the season. That is not going to be easy as the Mariners, though I feel like this has been built on sand a little bit. Somehow, somewhere, they're still in the postseason. They're taking on the Royals this weekend. And I take a look at the Oakland A's. I feel like they've really got to be in must-win mode at this point if they're going to be able to make the postseason. Well, I mean, it's must-win mode for all five teams that are still technically alive for two spots in the American League. Look, for Oakland, I know their schedule hasn't really been conducive to runs, but they had a horrible loss earlier in the week against the Kansas City Royals where they're up 6 nothing and lose that game 8-6. You had a few other games. Really, Greg, this run kind of started a few weeks ago where they had that series against Seattle, and if they won that series, they would have put Seattle away and knocked them out of the race, and Seattle won that series and was able to stay alive, and the A's really haven't fully recovered from that. But look, as we're recording this, you're right. You have to win every game against lackluster competition the rest of the way if you're in this race. I mean, look. The only reason we're realistically talking about two spots instead of one in the American League wildcard race is because the Yankees couldn't beat the Orioles this year. That's why the Yankees are in the heat of a wildcard race and not in the mix with Tampa. Tampa went 18-1 against Baltimore. The Yankees went 11-8. There's your difference right there in the American League East. So in the end here, pivot this to the whole wildcard discussion. It's going to be two of the AL East teams. I think Toronto, even with their loss on Friday night, injured Ryu pitched poorly again in a big spot that's now two out of three starts where he's not pitched well against teams that he should be able to dominate. But look, I think Toronto gets in, and I think the Yankees are going to survive and get the second wild card, which will set up a very intriguing wild card game, regardless of location, because of course, 
The reason Toronto's in this thing is because they beat the bejesus out of the Yankees four straight games last week. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that this is going to be an incredibly fascinating American League postseason race in which you could wind up seeing the Yankees and the Red Sox wind up doing battle in a one-game wild card, which I'm sure that the MLB, you imagine? Would, the MLB would love those ratings for that game. Trust me. Well, I, that would be part of the reason that this was invented, to get big-time games like that. And on the NL side, I mean, it's really a shame that the Dodgers or the Giants are going to end up with a wild card. And then assuming that the giant Dodger, whoever the team that is, wins the wild card game, you'll have to play the other team in the NLDS. That's the one negative with this new format, Greg. Yep, it certainly is. But it is going to be a lot of fun to see what winds up happening down the stretch. As we do have Jeff Parles of the Vegas Sets and Information Network joining me on the podcast. And speaking of the Giants, they are not going to have an easy task on Saturday as it's going to be Charlie Morton going for the Atlanta Braves for them. Looks like it's going to be Alex Wood coming off of the COVID IL who's going to be making the start for the San Francisco Giants. I know that he's been a little bit banged up in general as well. So I do think that this is an interesting matchup because with Alex Wood, I feel like he's been one of the weaker links when it comes to the starting pitching of the San Francisco Giants. He certainly has had his ups and his downs. It feels like he pitches really well for a month and then he winds up going into a little bit of a funk and then he winds up picking it up once again and Charlie Morton has a sub-3 ERA on the road so far this year. He has been really the best Atlanta Braves pitcher when it comes to being able to perform away from Atlanta so far this year. And in opening line at Circa that I'm seeing is the San Francisco Giants, minus 128. I think that there's a solid chance that there might be some value here on the Atlanta Braves, especially if they get past a plus 120, in my opinion. Well, Greg, here's the problem. The Giants don't lose. Yep. <laughs> I feel like every single time I was on this podcast, and when you and I were doing Vet Center on VEASAN over the weekend, every single show, when are the Giants going to fall apart? When is this joyride going to end? Guess what? This joyride's not going to end at this point. <laughs> now, here's the deal. They do have six games left against the Padres, who the Padres are fighting for their own lives. And the Giants, which, by the way, for this game on Saturday, Greg, I do agree with you. I only bet Morden, but I want to see a first five price. I like that a little bit more. Heads up, taking the better starting pitcher that may I would imagine that's probably going to be like minus 115 on the Giants maybe even a minus 110 minus 105 on the dime line either way with the pitching advantage towards the Braves but look back to the Giants though Greg if the Giants win this division and hold off the Dodgers it's to me the most shocking regular season result that we have seen in baseball in a long time the Dodgers have a chance to still get near and maybe even go over if they don't lose a lot down the stretch, even though they lost on Friday night, to go over that massive win total, that 102.5 in the preseason. And it still might not be enough to win the division. The Giants, Greg, have a chance to go 25 to 30 games above their preseason win total. That is absolutely unprecedented. If we were to talk about the LA Dodgers not winning the division at the beginning of the year, I think we would both have said, Padres. well, the Giants, I think we both agree. We would have both been like, well, what wound up going wrong for the LA Dodgers? And certainly some things have. The Trevor Bauer situation, you've been dealing with injuries, especially with Clayton Kershaw wound up coming back, what have you, but they haven't played badly. I mean, that's the thing about this is that the LA Dodgers are on pace for north of 100 wins, and that is right now not enough to be able to win this NL West as 
Both of these teams are the top two teams out there in baseball. In any other division, they'd be avoiding that one-game wild card. And you could see a scenario in the National League where a team that winds up winning, say, 85, 86 games is going to be making the postseason. Meanwhile, one of those teams out there in the AL East because – Right now, you've got the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees all giving chase. One of those teams is going to wind up missing out. And let's face it, whoever winds up missing out out of those three teams, heck of a lot better than who winds up putting the wild card out there in the National League. Oh, of course. And, Greg, look, the L.A. Dodgers, even with the loss on Friday night to the Reds, are 40 games over 500. That's good. They are 40 games over 500. If you told me the Dodgers went, went 101 and 61 going into the year, Greg, I would have said, all right, they probably won the division by five games because I thought the Padres were going to be a mid-90s win team, at least five games on a minimum. And again, Greg, that's the other thing. Like the point you made before, if you thought before the year, oh, the Dodgers finished second in the NLS, my thought process would have been, all right, the Dodgers underachieved a little bit and the Padres were really freaking good the whole year and probably won close to 100 games and earned that division. Vinny Maliula, one of the most respected guys behind the counter in the entire business, on with Gil throughout the summer at the South Point, could not get a bet on the Giants to win the NL West at 100-1. to They could not get anyone to bet it at that number. This is, again, one of the most shocking – really, it's since the 2008 Rays. That's the last team, unless I'm forgetting someone, Greg, that came so completely out of left field – to win, to have the best record in the league, which the Rays did that year in 2008 in the American League and, of course, made the World Series. Again, Greg, if you exceed your win total by 25 to 30 games, which the Giants have a chance to do, it is unprecedented territory in Major League Baseball. Oh, I totally agree with you. And speaking of the race, that's a team that's right now leading the American League, which I feel like that's a little bit unprecedented given how good the Houston Astros have been and what have you, but still certainly does not compare to what we've seen uh, the San Francisco Giants this year, as we do have Jeff Parles joining me on the podcast. And Jeff, when you take a look at everything that we've got going down on Saturday, is there anything that's catching your eye, whether it be from a single game bet or just taking a look at the futures market in general? Because we do have a couple teams that are still fighting for the postseason that are going to be in action. The Philadelphia Phillies are in must-win mode with Aaron Nola going up against Carlos Carrasco. The Cincinnati Reds are going to look to take another one from the Dodgers with Sonny Gray going up against Mad Max Scherzer. You've got a team like the Chicago White Sox, who they've hit a little bit of a baseball ditch recently going up against the Texas Rangers with Lance Lynn. So we've got quite a few good matchups. Anything that's really catching your eye? Greg, am I reading my screen backwards. Is Adam Wainwright an underdog at home? He's a very, very slight favorite at right around minus 110 to minus 115. I'm reading my screen backwards. You know, I don't care. Adam Wainwright and Greg, this is the ridiculous part of this whole thing. If the Cardinals have Adam Wainwright on a one-game playoff and the Cardinals against the Dodgers are like plus 240, which is probably what the price would be. And that's going to be worth a bet in that game. And it's worth a bet in this one against the Padres because you Darvish has been awful since coming back from his injury. And Adam Wainwright, over the last month and a half, two months, Adam Wainwright's been one of the five best pitchers in the National League, as ridiculous as that is, since he looked totally done two years ago. But uh, that would be a play to Cardinals. And look, up to minus 125, I like the Cardinals there. And then a guy who I don't really love, but the price is just wrong here. You say you say Kikuchi and the Mariners only minus 120 at Kansas City? I don't think that price is right. I would look to lay with uh, with the Mariners on the road. And I would look to lay with the Cardinals that slight price at home against the Padres. 
I'm right there with you on the Seattle Mariners. I've been saying that regression I thought was going to be coming in for them, but at the same time, they just have been priced completely wrong as well. So Vegas has predicted a whole heck of a lot more regression than I have for the Seattle Mariners. So even though I thought that they would start sinking a little bit, I've been continuing to take their prices to your point, right around a minus 118 to a minus 120 against Chris with the K Boobich and the Kansas City Royals. Certainly going to be a take there. And don't be surprised if you see the Cardinals as my New York Post pick of the day for Saturday. And a man that I always love picking to be the guest on this podcast, that'd be you, Jeff. You do a terrific job over there with Vegas Sites and Information Network. You do tremendous work Monday through Friday with Gail Alexandra on a numbers game weekend, holding it down on Bet Center as well. So love the good people at home, know what you've got going on in general, and how they're able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, at Jeff Parles on the tweets, and Greg, Ben Wilson and I get to lead into you this entire football season on Saturday. So great time there on VSIN, 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Later today, if you're listening to this podcast right now, later today on Saturday, that is Eastern time, p.m. to a.m. on Sunday morning technically. So we're looking forward to it. Another great day of college football and then week two of the NFL to break down on Bet Center on Saturday for Ben Wilson and myself. And then I have the week off because I will not be joining them in studio. Oh, Las come Vegas on. You're not, doing, you're not the show from Rochester? Come on, Greg. They would not let me do the show from <laughs> Rochester. They really don't have any sports books out here since sports betting not legalized in Minnesota at this point, which is a crying shame. Hopefully Minnesota gets it. Hopefully Wisconsin gets it. All these Midwest states that do not have it because the good people out here in this part of the country do deserve it and they always deserve great betting content and Jeff Parles delivers on that every single time he's on VSIN and every single time he's on this podcast so big thanks to Jeff for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast and coming up next it is that time of the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday and a little something like call touch them all Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in Needs to Look at Screen, Rochester, Minnesota, for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to get Jeff Parles on the podcast. Does a great job helping out Gil Alexander over there on a numbers game Monday through Friday and then weekends. He does a great job with Bet Center. So, Always a pleasure to be able to get him aboard. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Saturday and a little something like call, touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore D1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where... We go National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. So, going to have some fun with this. Really, every game aside from the San Francisco Giants game, which they're going to be going full-on bullpen game, has numbers. So, we are actually in good shape there as we do begin with that first National League game. 901-902 on the betting board. You've got the LA Dodgers hitting the road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Sonny Gray getting the start. Meanwhile... Mad Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Dodgers, who find themselves between minus 185 and minus 190 favorites. Plus 160 to plus 170 is your price on the red legs, as your total is 8 with the over at minus 120 and the under at even for the Dodgers. Ever since Max Scherzer has come over, he has been nothing short of absolutely magnificent for this team. 
I mean, you take a look at it. The guy has went eight starts. He has given up two runs or fewer in every one of them, aside from his first one. He is posting up a 0.80 ERA. His strikeout to walk rate is a 14.4. Home road, planet Pluto, this guy has been amazing. And then you take a look at Sonny Gray. He's had his ups and his downs this year, but has been pitching much better recently. He has given up a combined six runs in his last five starts. He has given up one walk in his last three starts. So he certainly has been able to get the job done for this team. But if you do have caution with Sonny Gray, it is the fact that he's got a 465 home ERA compared to a 297 road ERA. Giving up 11 home runs in 60 innings at home. Meanwhile, just 5 bombs in 60.2 innings on the road. And then you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds lineup. And you are without a few of your main mashers. But Jesse Winker back in the fold yesterday. That is big for this team. He's been averaging about a home run every, I would say, about 16 or so at bats. He's got 24 bombs on the year. Nick Cassianos, Joey Votto, a combined 59 home runs going into yesterday. Both of these guys right around at 8.375 on base. Kyle Farmer is hitting at 255 for you, along with Tucker Barnard. He's hitting at 265. And then Tyler Stevenson, when he's out there, he's hitting a 280. And then Jonathan India, leadoff spot, 20 bombs, right around at 375 on base. But then you take a look at the LA Dodgers, and on a night in and night out basis, you're typically going to find them with one position player that's hitting below a 250, and that would be Cody Bellinger. I mean, you've got Mookie Betts. Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, Trey Turner down for what? Justin Turner down for what? Will Smith, all 20-plus home runs for this team. Albert Pujols, whenever he's out there, he has been relatively solid. And this is a Dodgers bullpen that is second in the league with regards to bullpen ERA the second half of the season. Meanwhile, for the Reds, it has gotten a little bit better. Michael Givens has been able to give you a couple innings. Luis Sessa has been halfway decent for this team as well, but it really doesn't compare to what you wind up having with the LA Dodgers. Now, the question is, do you wind up taking a run line here with the Dodgers? Because this is going to be, in my opinion, a little bit of a lower scoring game. Right now, finding that run line price right around even money, but I was willing to take about a minus 115 in this spot. I set the Dodgers at minus 187 on the money line, and when it comes to the total, set it at a 7.9. So, going under, along with that Dodgers run line. 903-904 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin goes for the Nats. Kyle Freeland is going to be on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is 9. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you're looking at the Nets, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 is your price. Meanwhile, with the Rockies, anywhere between even money and plus 110. And, well, for Kyle Freeland, he's been able to do a pretty good job. Wound up beginning the year through his first five starts with a 9.64 ERA. Ever since then, it's been more like about a three-ish. He has been able to do a nice job holding down the fort, giving up three runs or fewer in 12 out of his last 14 starts. And then, got a guy in Patrick Corbin that he's given up the deep ball this year. 34 home runs, giving up at 155 innings, both home and road. This guy has been stinking on ice. A 591 ERA at home, 605 ERA on the road. 16 home runs and 80 and two-thirds innings at home. 18 bombs and 74 and a third innings on the road and opponents off of them in Washington, D.C., hitting a 302. Now, this is a Colorado Rockies team that they have been light hanging on the road for much of the year, but they've actually been able to play some good baseball on the road recently. Going into yesterday, 17 and 17 in their last 34 road games after beginning 6 and 33 on the road to begin the year. So, quantum leaps forward. 
Someone like a Trevor Story who wound up beginning last road trip, hitting right around the Medellin's line of 200 on the road. He's been able to pick it up a little bit. You've noticed C.J. Crone be able to give you seven home runs in the team's last two road trips thus far. He's been able to do a nice job. Elias Diaz is giving you a little bit of something with the bat as well. Brendan Rodgers has been hitting well on the road. Then you got a Washington Nationals team in which Juan Soto is absolutely amazing. 350 on base, 25 home runs. Josh Bell, 27 bombs. He's hitting about a 255. And then you've got a couple guys looking at LCDs. Escobar, you're able to throw in there. Yadiel Hernandez hitting between a 272 and 280. But then Carter Keyboom, Luis Garcia, both of these guys hitting between about a 225 to 230. Kyle Finnegan on the bullpen along with Ryan Harper. I've been able to do a good job with the scene. But as we know with the Washington Nationals, you've got Austin Both and Wander Icewero. This guy sucks. Both of these guys north of a 5-5 ERA for the Colorado Rockies. Bullpen has been brutal all year long. They're in the bottom five of the big leagues, and they have been bad on the road. Got someone like Daniel Bard, who's got some very demonstrative home and road splits. At home, a 320 ADRA and 886 on the road. Yancy Almonte has been terrible wherever he's pitched, right around an 837 ERA. But Robert Stevenson has been able to give you a little bit of something, so things are looking on the up and up for the Colorado Rockies. And Freeland has been relatively solid on the road as well. You take a look at his home and road splits, and they aren't as demonstrative as you're going to find with a lot of guys. Actually, has been better on the road, which is a rarity for the Colorado Rockies. 425 home ERA compared to a 536 road ERA. So taking a look at this spot, it's a situation in which I wound up setting the Colorado Rockies actually as a favorite. So I'm going to certainly be taking them in this spot. Also wound up setting the solo at an 8.8 with the Rockies. Just having a little bit more difficulty hitting on the road in general. And Freeland looking a little bit better recently. So going to be taking the Rockies and I am going to be taking this total under. 905-906 on the betting board. You got the Pittsburgh Pirates walking the plank to Miami to face up against the Marlins. Edward Capoeira is going to be going for the fish. Meanwhile, Bryce Wilson on the bump for the Buckos. Pirates find themselves between plus 110 and plus 121. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it here with the fish, and we're between minus 130 and minus 131 is your price, 8 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. For Edward Cabrera, I do think that there's quite a bit of upside from, but I just don't think that this year he's necessarily going to be able to put it together. You've got Bryce Wilson on the other side, and he's actually been okay for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Has given up four-plus runs in now three out of his last five stars. Three-plus runs in four out of his last five, but he has been able to do a good job of being able to keep the walks down. Overall for the year, right around 2.4-ish walks per nine innings. Then you take a look at Mr. Cabrera, and he is giving up north of five walks per nine innings. He's got a 6.61 ERA. You take a look at what he's done, giving up three-plus runs in three out of his four starts, and the one that he wound up giving up two in only went three and two-thirds innings. So he's not necessarily giving you a lot of length now. With the Miami Marlins, they do have a little bit more of a healthy bullpen because Kyle Crick, along with David Bernard, currently had the full for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So you've got Jason Shreve. You're able to get something out of Chris Ryan, and then you've got a whole bunch of guys like Nick Mears, a company that you want no part of. Meanwhile, with the Marlins, you've got Anthony Bender, who's been able to do a solid job for this team. Richard Blyer has a sub-3-5 ERA. Dylan Flora has a sub-3 ERA. So these guys have been able to do a good job, even Stephen O'Kurt. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you got one guy doing a great job of being able to light it up. Brian Reynolds, 23 home runs, hitting a 300. He certainly has been able to do his part for this bunch. But then you take a look at the Miami Marlins and what is really killing them, the fact that Ace Aguiar is currently on the injured list. 93 RBI, 22 home runs. He's hitting a 260. So then you wind up getting the best of the rest and the rest for both of these teams not necessarily good. Now, Yoshi Satsugo, he's cooled down recently, but still has been able to give the team seven home runs in about a month or so with the team. Colin Moran is hitting a 270 along with Wilmer Defoe. Cabrian Hayes, you're able to throw on their Ben Gamble, hitting between about a 252 and 260. So I like what these guys are able to do, but Hoy Park. 
Kai Tom, Michael Perez. Got a lot of guys for this bunch hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. And then for the Miami Marlins, you've got quite a few guys that are hitting right around that about 235 to 245-ish range. But then you've got Izan Diaz, Luan Diaz, Joe Panic, quite a few guys. Sandy Leon hitting a 210 or lower Jazz Chisholm. He's hitting about a 255. Asu Sanchez, Luis Prince, and both of these guys are in between about a 232 to a 245. And in that fold as well, Jorge Alfaro along with Mangolia Sierra. But not having Asu Aguiar means that Jazz Chisholm is the only guy north of nine home runs currently in the lineup for this bunch. So you've got a pair of light hitting teams, pair of pitchers I'm not necessarily too impressed by, but when it comes to Mr. Cabrera, just because he is backed up by a better bullpen, I'm going to be back him in this spot with the Marlins. Set them more around about a minus 138 favorite on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, you're able to find that at a plus 150. I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to win this game by multiple runs because I do think that it's going to be a little bit rough with the offense. And I did set this all at an 8.3, so going to be going over, and I'm going to be going with the Miami Marlins. 907-908 on the bang board. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the road face off against the New York Mets. Carlos Carrasco is going to be going for the Mets. Meanwhile, Aaron Supernola hopes to be super for the Phillies as the Phillies. Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Metropolitans, it is anywhere between even money and plus 108 with 7.5 to 8 being your total. On the 7.5, overs between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders between even and minus 105. On the 8, unders minus 120 and the over is even. For Nola, he has not been so super on the road so far this year. And for his entire career, he posts up an ERA about a point better at home than he does on the road. And this year, it's been even more demonstrative as at home, he's got an ERA that overs right in the neighborhood of about a 3-3-ish. He hasn't necessarily been great, but at the same time, he's been pretty functional. Meanwhile, on the road, that expands to a 5.56. And on the road, he's given up 15 home runs in 87 and a third innings with opponents sitting at 2.49 off of him. Meanwhile, it's a 2.21 at home. And on the road, his strikeouts for 9 rate, a little bit above 10. At home, that expands to right around 12. And then you've got Mr. Carlos Carrasco, who's been able to round into form recently, giving up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. He did have a start in which he wound up being the victim of a couple unearned runs, but has only given up two home runs over his last five starts as well. Has reined it in with the walks, one walk or fewer in four out of his last five. So that is something that you do like to see, but something that you don't like to see for the Mets is the fact that this lineup has been very up and down. You do have a pair of guys with 30-plus home runs. Pete Alonso, along with Javi Baez, uh, has given you a little bit of something. And Jonathan VR has right around a 350-ish on base over the last month, month and a half. So he's been able to provide a tad bit of something. But Don Smith being on the injured list certainly hurts his team. And got a trio of guys that they do need to pick it up as you've got Michael Conforto, Kevin Pillar, and Francisco Lindor all in between a 222 and a 228. Now, the Lindor 3 home run game against the New York Mets about a week ago. That helps him out, but you got James McCann, Thomas Nito at the catcher spot, hitting between about a 232 and 240. Now, the concept for this Mets team has been the bullpen. You've got Aaron Loop, who's still got an ERA that's hovering right around like a 108. It's been absolutely amazing what he's been able to do. Seth Lugo, over the last 30 days, he's been able to be relatively solid for this team. You got Castro right around a 3-5 ERA, so they've been able to do a solid job. For the Phillies, this is a bullpen that it can be rocky to say the least. Archie Bradley over the last three days has well north of a 5 ERA. Gambadrosian has on it's been great for the team. They had to use a bullpen game a couple days ago, so quite a few of these guys have been spent, but at the same time with the Philadelphia Phillies, what you have is Bryce Harper, who's got 17 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of August. He's making a push for MVP at this point. Got a lot of guys with between, I would say about 11 to 15 home runs. Didi Gregorius, Freddie Galvis, Odubo Herrera, Gene Segura, as well as JT Riumito with Riumito 
show. He's hitting about a 270. Oduber Rare is hitting more like a 255. So, got a lot of guys that have been able to give you a little bit of something. Andrew McCutcheon, he's been able to supply 24 bombs, only hitting about a 220, but also right around a 335 on base. So, I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Nola overall is a little bit of a better pitcher. You have to be cautious of these home and road splits, but at the same time, with the Phillies, I was willing to lay up to a minus 118, so we barely got there on that. Also set this all at 8.5 with the way that Nola has struggled a little bit more on the road. So, going over along with the Phillies. 909-910 on the betting board. You got the Milwaukee Brewers playing us to the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele is going to be going for the Cubs. Meanwhile, one Corbin Burns as I use my terrible old English accent. Going for the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Brewers find themselves as sizable favorites. Anywhere between minus 265, minus 290. Meanwhile, plus price here with the Cubbies is anywhere between plus 230 and plus 241. Eight is your total. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. For Burns, he is coming off being a member of a combined no-hitter, going eight scoreless innings, and that start against the Cleveland Indians looked absolutely amazing there. And then you've got a guy in Justin Steele who hasn't necessarily been terrible with the Cubs. He's got a 4-1-70 RA. Problem is, he's given up right around a home run and a half per nine innings. This is someone that's trying to rein it in with command as well. 4.4 walks per nine innings, and he has actually been much better on the road than he has been at home. 5.11 home ERA, a 2.76 road ERA. On the road, has given up three home runs at 16 and a third innings, but it all has allowed opponents to hit only a 2.10 off of them as well. You take a look at this Cubs lineup, and yeah, I've been able to get a little bit of something out of some of these guys. Patrick Wisdom, 26 home runs. He has cooled down recently with two home runs over the last three weeks for this bunch, but he's been able to provide a little bit of something. The guy that really has me surprised for this team is Frank Schwindel. He and Rafael Ortega both are rating north of a 285, but you take a look at what Schwindel has been able to do. I believe that he came over from the Oakland A's and he has been incredible. Over the last three days, he has been able to supply the boom with eight home runs. He has been able to hit for this team over the last 15 days a 418. So yeah, he's currently in Fuego. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers and you've got quite a few guys that are a little bit banged up for the team. Willie Adamas along with Avicio Garcia are currently dealing with some injuries. So that is something that you do want to note. You have been able to get quite a bit of something out of Omar Narvaez. He's hitting right around a 280 for this bunch. And even though the batting average and the power is not necessarily been there, Christian Yelich still providing a 360 on base. Luis Urias is hitting a 250. He's got 20 home runs. So you've been able to get a little bit of something there. And then Colton Wong has been able to hit a 275 for this bunch. You take a look at the Chicago Cubs, and you do have quite a few guys that they do need to pick it up. Jason Award, David Bodie, you're able to throw in there. Both of the Romines all hitting a 220 or lower, though I will say Ian Happ, he's only hitting at 222 for the year, but north of a 350 on base over the last, I would say, about 45 or so days, double-digit amount of homers ever since the beginning of the month of August. So these guys have been able to pick it up, give you a little bit of something there, but then you take a look at this Cubs bullpen, and you got, you know what, Ryan Tapera, Craig Kimbrell. Oh, wait, they traded everyone, and now you've got a poopy bullpen with guys like Manuel Rodriguez, Michael Rucker, along with Adam Morgan, and it's just not good. Meanwhile, you've got a Brewers team, in which the bullpen is very stout for this team. Devin Williams, Josh Shader, best one-two bunch, in my opinion, in the eighth and ninth inning in all of baseball. Hunter Strickland has been good for the team. Brad Boxberger has been able to give you a little bit of something, so certainly it's fine, which I'm looking at the Brewers as a very sizable favorite. On the money line, I set them as a minus 263 
We're looking more at the run line in the spot. Seeing that anywhere between a minus 125 and a minus 130, sign me up there. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 145 in this spot. And when it comes to just Corbin Burns and the way that he's been able to dominate, set this total at a 7.8. So we're going to be going under along with that Brewers run line. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Slam Diego Padres hit the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals in my New York Post play today as Adam Wainwright is going to be going for the guards. Meanwhile, you Darvish is going to be on the bump for the pods. Padres find themselves in between a minus 101 to a plus 105, seeing a minus 105 out there as well. Meanwhile, with the Cardinals, and between minus 109 and minus 115 is your price. Eight is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And the New York Post play today. We went with them about six or seven days ago, and we're going to be going back to the well with Adam Wainwright. You Darvish has been absolutely terrible. He has given up at least four runs at eight out of the team's last 11 starts. In his last 10 starts, he's got a north of 7-5 ERA. He has been just getting absolutely tattooed. He's giving up nearly three home runs per nine innings in this span. Meanwhile, you've got a guy in Adam Wainwright who has found the fountain of youth ever since the All-Star break. A 2-1-3 ERA. He has given up three runs or fewer in now 13 out of his last 15 starts. He has won six plus innings in all but two out of his last 15 starts. He has been nothing short of amazing. And though the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen has had some moving parts because Genesis Cabrera along with Alex Reyes. They've not necessarily been able to get the job done. Guess who has been getting the job done? TJ McFarlane. He has been terrific for this team. Kwon Young Kim is someone that they're looking at being a little bit of a super reliever for this team. Then you take a look at the flip side for the San Diego Padres, and this bullpen is very clearly taxed. They've been in the bottom half of the league with regards to bullpen ERA over the last 30 days. They're actually in the bottom 10 with that regard, so it's actually getting worse and worse for them. And then you take a look at this Padres bunch, and you do have Fernando Tatis Jr. He's got 39 home runs. He has been able to do a very good job with this team. Got a couple other guys doing a solid job of being able to get on base. Manny Machado hitting a 275 for you, but Jake Cronenworth being on the injured list, that certainly does hurt them, so you've got to rely upon a lot of guys in between, I would say about a 232, 240 jerks and profile turn Christian, along with Tommy Pham. These guys all have north of 320 on bases, but at the same time, they just haven't been able to supply a lot recently, and Adam Frazier, ever since coming over from the Pittsburgh Pirates, hitting below a 250. Then you've got a St. Louis Cardinals bunch in which you've got a lot of guys that have been hitting, I would say, between about a 255 to a 265 among them. Nolan Arenado, who's been able to slug out 32 home runs. You're able to throw in there Jose Rondon, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, Yadier Molina, Harrison Bader just below that at a 250, and then you've got Paul Goldschmidt and Tyler O'Neill both hitting north of a 280. And for Mr. P- Paul Goldschmidt, 26 home runs so far this year, but you take a look at what he's been able to do ever since the beginning of the month of July, and he's been able to hit right around a 325. He has been absolutely incredible for this bunch. He's been able to do a good job of being able to pound out the homers ever since the beginning of the month of July. He has been able to supply 15 bombs, so that has been good. Umando Sosa also hitting a 280 for this team, so I take a look at this spot, and I wound up setting the Cardinals as more around about a minus 137-ish favorite because Hugh Darvish, in my opinion, has just become a fade. I have no idea what's happened to this guy, but he has fallen off the face of planet Earth at Adam Wainwright at 40 years young. I think he's going to be able to get the job done once again. So the New York Post play today is the St. Louis Cardinals. And when it comes to total, because Darvish just keeps giving up four plus runs in all of his starts, he set it at an 8.1. So going over along with the St. Louis Cardinals as the New York Post play today, 9-13, 9-14. Currently an off-the-board game between the Atlanta Braves, who hit the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Giants are going to be going with the bullpen game, which is why this game is off the board. Meanwhile, one Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. I know that 
in a lot of these bullpen games. The Giants have been going with Dominique Leon as their starter. Whether it be someone like an Jose Alvarez, Dominique Leon, it's going to be a, really a bullpen game. You're not really going to see one step bulk guy. Maybe you wind up having Jose Quintana give you like three innings. Jarlon Garcia maybe, but you're certainly not going to be seeing one guy that winds up coming in and giving you like six innings or anything like that. So this is a true bullpen game and in a true bullpen game, set the Giants at minus 116 with a total of 7.4. So 7 or lower, taking a look at the over 7.5 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under. You take a look at Charlie Morne. He has been very good on the road so far this year. 13 and 5 overall, but his home ERA is a 4. His road ERA is a 291. Ain't too record in 13 starts on the road, giving up four home runs in 77 and a third innings, and opponents earning a buck 79 off of him. When he's at home, he's still doing relatively solid, but opponents earning more like a 229 off of him, so that has been something to behold. And with the San Francisco Giants, top bullpen ERA in the league so far this year, right around a 310-ish. Ever since the All-Star break, it has lowered to more like a 265. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, and you do have a whole bunch of guys that are able to take you deep on this roster. You've had Ode Soler be able to really supply the boom. 15 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of July. Ever since coming over to this bunch, he's been aiming more like a 275. Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, along with Ozzie Albies, all between 28 and 30 home runs for Freeman and Riley, both hitting above a 295. Danzy Swanson, 26 bombs. He's got right around 255 batting average. Adam Duvall has north of 30 home runs. Not necessarily great with the batting average, but certainly does a good job of being able to take you deep. And for the Atlanta Braves, this is a bullpen that has been up and down this year, but ever since the All-Star break, it's been in the top 10 with their regards to ERA, Tyler Manzik has been able to give you something. Will Smith, he sometimes gets a little bit jiggy with it, but Jesse Chavez has been relatively reliable for this team. And then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants and you've got a whole bunch of guys that do a great job of just being able to pound out the homers. Mike Ustremski, Brandon Belt, and Chris Bryant, all between 23 and 27 home runs so far this year. And then you've got Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey, Wilmer Flores, Lamonte Wade, Darren Ruff, all between 15 and 20 home runs so far this season. Evan Longoria has 13 home runs in about 200 at-bats. He's been able to do a good job with being able to get on base for you. Donovan Solano has been able to do a good job with his batting average as well. So, in a bullpen game against Raleigh Morton, setting the Giants at minus 116. Seven or lower taking a look at the over 7.5 fryer. Going to be taking a look at the under. 9-15, 9-16 on the banging board. The New York Yankees are going to be playing us to the Cleveland Indians. Aaron Savali is going to be going for the Indians. Luis Eel is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. Total on this game is 9.5. Unders between minus 105 minus 110. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Yankees, anywhere between minus 182 and minus 190. Meanwhile, your plus price with Cleveland is between plus 160 and plus 170. There's no question that Mr. Eel has very electrifying stuff. You have to question the command though. I still remember in a start about a week and a half ago for Eel, he wound up giving out seven walks and fewer than four innings against the Toronto Blue Jays. So that's a little bit of an issue and he winds up giving up a whole bunch of runs in his last start as well. After going three scoreless starts in his start against the Minnesota Twins, gives up five runs over the course of six innings, giving up three home runs in that span. And for the Cleveland Indians, you do have a pair of guys that are able to do a good job of being able to supply the boom. Jose Ramirez, Framiel Reyes. Both of these guys hitting between a 255 and a 260. A combined 62 home runs for both of them now. That's big because nobody else in the starting lineup yesterday had more than seven home runs, but you do have Harold Ramirez, Miles Straw, along with Amid Rosario, all in between about a 265 to a 282. Been able to get a little bit of something out of a couple other guys like a Bradley Zimmer, but it's been a little bit inconsistent there. And then Roberto Perez, Andres Jimenez, Owen Miller, Yu Chang, along with Bobby Bradley, all hitting a 225 or lower. Then you take a look at the New York Yankees, and you've got a pair of guys with north of 33 home runs, Aaron Judge and Joey Gallo. Now, with Joey Gallo, you're able to throw in there Kyle Agashioka, 
Brett Gardner, Rudnett Odor, Gary Sanchez. Got quite a few guys hitting at 225 or lower, but Flavor Torres, Gio Urshela, Avante Anthony Rizzo. All in between about a 245 to a 260, you've been able to get quite a bit of something out of John Carlos Sand hitting at 275. He's won deep 28 times. CJ LeMay is doing a good job of being able to get on base down with the Yankees bullpen. Jonathan Luizga being on the injured list certainly does hurt the team, but Chad Green has been able to give you some good innings. Michael King has really been good in a multi-inning role coming out of the bullpen. Earl DeShatman seems to be reining it in. He still does have a north of 6 ERA ever since the beginning of June, though. And then you take a look at the Cleveland Indians and... Emmanuel Classe has been very good out of the bullpen for this team. He's been able to get quite a bit of something out of a guy like a Blake Parker as well. Parker has an ERA. That over's right around at 2-6-ish. They've been dealing with quite a few injuries, but they've been able to do a good job of being able to mix and match. Even Justin Garza has been able to give you a couple solid innings. And with Eel, you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him with regards to the command. Meanwhile, with Aaron Savali, he's been giving up right around 2.3 blocks per nine innings now. His home runs per nine rate is right around 1.5. This is going to be a third start since coming off the injured list. Got destroyed in his last start against the Milwaukee Brewers. First start against the Minnesota Twins was a little bit better. This is someone that prior to going on the injured list was pretty much leading the league in wins. I think that he's going to be able to rate it in here as well and take the Cleveland Indians as long as I was getting a plus price of north of plus 145. Certainly have gotten that here. When one comes to the total, set it at a 9.3 because I do think that Savali is going to be solid. So, going to be taking the under along Cleveland Indians. 9-17-9-18 on the bank board. The Baltimore Orioles hit the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Bavetta is going to be going for the Sox. Zach Lothar is going to be on the bump for the Baltimore Orioles. And the Orioles, predictably, a sizable underdog. Anywhere between plus 215 and plus 228. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Sox, anywhere between minus 251 and minus 265... 10.5 is your total over and under or both at minus 110. For Pavetta, he has actually been able to do his best work on the road so far this year. You take a look at Nick Pavetta, 9-7 and seven overall at home. He's got a 5-6 ERA, meanwhile a 3-67 on the road. 15 home runs in 64 and a third innings at home given up with an opponent's batting average of a 259. Meanwhile, opponents are a 209 off of him with 6 home runs given up in 76 innings on the road and the walks per 9 rate is actually a little bit better on the road as well. So he certainly has been a little bit better away from home. But the good news is, Zach Lothar just stinks wherever he pitches. He's got a 9.92 ERA so far this year. And he's coming off of a start in which he wound up giving up seven runs and got six outs against the Toronto Blue Jays. You may recall he wound up squaring off against the Boston Red Sox earlier this year in a start. He got seven outs, then he gave up seven runs in that one. So he doesn't necessarily have a great track record with the team, and the Boston Red Sox should be able to light up this Baltimore Orioles bunch. Cole Solzer has been able to do a solid job out of the bullpen, but he has been used up quite a bit recently. You take a look at someone like Dylan Tate, he's able to give you a couple okay innings, but Tyler Wells has really been drying up for this team. Fernando Abad has been very uh, bad for this team. And you take a look at the Boston Red Sox in general. You've got someone with north of 100 RBI in Rafael Devers. He's been able to slug out 34 home runs so far this year. And you've got a lot of guys that have between, I would say, about 25 and 28 home runs. Hunter Renfro, J.D. Martinez, along Kyle Schwarber on that full with Renfro and Schwarber. Both of these guys are in between about a 262 and 270. Also in that fold, you've got Kike Hernandez with right around a 250 batting average. He's been solid. Alex Verdugo hitting a 290 for this team. Bobby Dahlbeck all of a sudden has 22 home runs. And for Bobby Dahlbeck, after he wound up having a really rough start to the year over the last three days going into yesterday, eight home runs in 71 at-bats and hitting right around a 300. So it's been a nice turnaround for him. And for the Baltimore Orioles, you do have a couple guys that have been able to do a solid job for this team. As you've got Cedric Mullins hitting a 300. He and Ryan Mountcastle have been able to give you between 29 and 30 home runs, so that has been very solid for the team to be able to 
Mancini, Austin the Say is kid. Both of these guys, a combined 41 home runs, both hitting between a 250 to a 260 going into yesterday. You do have quite a few guys that they do need to pick it up when it comes to their batting average. Pat Faleka, Ryan McKenna, Austin wins, Kelvin Gutierrez. You're able to throw in there someone like a Domingo Leyva, DJ Turn It Up, Stewart. All these guys hitting a 210 or lower, but Anthony Santander hitting a 250 for this team. Been able to get a little bit of something out of Richie Martin recently as well, but I take a look at this spot and I think that the Orioles, despite the fact that Nick Pavetta has not been good at home, are going to get absolutely destroyed. I want to say the Red Sox is a minus 275 favorite. If you're looking at the run line, I wound up setting this more in the neighborhood of about a minus 160. We're seeing at a minus 140, so you're going to be taking that and when it comes to total I personally want to making it the highest one on the board at a 10.7 so going over along with the Red Sox run line 919-920 on the bang board the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins Bailey Ober is going to be going for the Twins Steven Matz is going to be on the bump for the Blue Jays the Jays are finding themselves anywhere between minus 166 and minus 170 your plus price with Minnesota is anywhere between plus 150 and plus 156 Nine and a half is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. And for Bailey over, he has been able to really round into form. Now, he is giving up 1.8 home runs per nine innings. That is a little bit unsightly. And what has been interesting with Bailey over is the fact that he has been able to do a relatively solid job on the road so far this year. With Bailey over, you take a look at it and he has been able to give you an ERA of a 379 on the road. So he's been a little bit better on the road than at home. And on the road, he has given up 1.3 walks per nine innings. So that has actually been very good. Meanwhile, you take a look at Steven Madsen. He's been able to round into form as well. Steven Madsen has always been someone that has been inconsistent to say the least. And in his last start, he did wind up giving up five runs. But he had, prior to that, given up two earned runs or fewer in each out of his previous seven starts. He was the victim of a couple unearned runs in a start earlier in the season, but he has given up zero home runs also in now six out of his last eight starts, so he's been able to keep things relatively clean, and he's backed up by a lineup of this Toronto Blue Jays bunch that is absolutely amazing, as you've got Mr. Vliger or Jr., 45 home runs going into yesterday, hitting a 315. Teoscar Hernandez, he's hitting about a 305, 27 home runs for M. Bobachette. He's hitting about a 290, 25 home runs. Lourdes Gurriel has been one of the hottest hitters in baseball over the last 30 days. He's now got 19 bombs. He's hitting above a 280. George Springer, since coming off the injured list, has been a little bit hit or miss, but he's still supplying you with about a home run every 13 or so bats. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, and you do need some of these guys to be able to pick it up with regards to their batting average. Brent Rooker, Ryan Jeffers, Max Kepler, J.K. You're able to throw in there someone like a Miguel de Sano, even Andrelton Simmons, only a 225 or lower. I will say this for Sano. Ever since the beginning of the month of August, right around a 345 on base, 28 home runs so far this year. Josh Donaldson is right around 350 on base, 22 home runs. And then Ore Palanco, 30 bombs. He's hitting a 275. Luis Arias is hitting a 290 along by Aaron Buxton. But Buxton, ever since coming off the Andrelton hitting right around 200 and then for the Minnesota Twins. Bullpen has been very up and down for this team. Luke Farrell's been very good. He's got a sub-1-5 ERA. Oriel Kyle's been all over the place, so Kyle Bearclaw, they're kicking the tires on him. He's got north of a 6 ERA. Ralph Garza Jr. has actually been able to give you some good innings. Then you take a look at the Blue Jays. It was a little bit rough sliding for them to begin the year out of the bullpen, but Adam Simber seems to have settled down in recent weeks. You've gotten back. Jordan Romano's been able to do a good job. Julian Merriweather is fresh off the injured list. He's given up a couple runs since coming off the injured list, but you got to figure that he's going to be able to give you some good innings as well. So, a little bit of an interesting spot here with Ober and the way that he's pitched recently. It has been solid, but I do think that 
this is a Blue Jays bunch of which is going to be able to get to him. So I wound up setting the Blue Jays as right around a minus 180 favorite. If you're looking at the run line, finding that anywhere between a plus 105 to a plus 110, pretty much any plus price would have done for me. So going to be taking the Blue Jays on the run line. When it comes to the total, I set it at a 9.8. So going over along with that run line. 921-922 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing against the Detroit Tigers. Tarek Skubal is going to be going for the Tigers. Ryan Yarbrough is going to be on the bump for the Rays. Rays are finding themselves anywhere between minus 181 and minus 190 favorites. Meanwhile, your plus price with Detroit is anywhere between plus 160 and plus 169. 8.5 is your total. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. Now, you do want to note that oftentimes the Tampa Bay Rays will use an opener for Ryan Yarbrough. It wound up backfiring on them a little bit in the previous time that they wound up trying it, but you take a look at just overall what we have seen out of Ryan Yarbrough whenever the team does use an opener for him and it is very solid. I believe that he is now 26 and 5 for his career. His ERA drops by a full point whenever you wind up using an opener for him so that is something that you do want to note. So even though right now with the Tampa Bay Rays as it stands with Ryan Yarbrough as a starter I've got him as a minus 164 favorite. I'd probably climb it to right around a minus 175 if he winds up being used as a bulk guy. Do have to throw this out there as well. Turk Skubal seems to be on a very strict pitch limit slash an innings limit because you'd notice his last few starts. He's won three innings in both of them and gave up a combined two runs in both of those starts. So it's not like he was getting lit up or anything like that. And for Skubal, after the team wound up going 0-8 in his first eight appearances, they've been right around 500 recently. So he's been able to do a better job there. Has been getting lit up a little bit on the road, giving up 18 home runs over the course of 52 innings. But a lot of those wound up coming earlier in the year. But the good news for the Tigers is that they do have a top 10 bullpen when it comes to ERA ever since the All-Star break. Gregory Soto has been very good for this team. You've even had a little bit of something out of Michael Fulmer whenever he's been available for this team. Jose Cicero has been able to give you some good innings. Then you've got a Tampa Bay Rays team in which J.P. Fire Eisen and Pete Fairbanks are now available for this team along Nick Anderson. You've got Andrew Kittredge with a sub-2 ERA. Just a whole bunch of guys are able to come in for you. And for the Detroit Tigers, you do have trio of guys between 20 and 23 home runs. Eric Koss, Jonathan Scope, and Robbie Grossman. But for Scope, he's got four home runs in the last 60 days for the team, so he hasn't done a lot. Now he, along with Jamie Candelario, both hitting between about a 272 to a 280. Akil Badu along with Miguel Cabrera are both hitting between about a 255 to a 265. And you got Derek Hill in that fold as well. Robbie Grossman, he's been able to do a solid job with right around a 240 batting average, but more like 350 on base here. Castro sitting at 280. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Got a pair of guys with north of 30 home runs. Mike Zanino along with Brandon Lau and Nelson Cruz is in that fold as well. With Cruz, Randy Orozarena along with Joey Wendell. All these guys are in between about a 265 to 275. And got a lot of guys in which their batting average and their on base are just very different. Like with Brett Phillips, for example, he's only hitting at 215, but his on base is like a 330. Yandy Diaz, he's hitting about a 255, but his on base is a 360 as well. So that's something fascinating. And for Austin Meadows, 25 home runs, only hitting about a 232, but once again, very good on base. That is north of a 325. So something that you always have to consider. Like I said, with the Tampa Bay Rays, set them as right around a minus 165-ish favorite if you do wind up having Ryan Yarbrough be used as the starter, which means I'd be taking a shot here on the Detroit Tigers if you don't wind up having a opener come in for Ryan Yarbrough. If you do wind up having a opener come in from, I'd be setting the Tampa Bay Rays more around about a minus 175. So that is something that you do want to note in this one. So as of right now, as it stands with the Yarbrough being the starter. Going to be taking a shot here on the Tigers. Also, did wind up saying the solo at 9.2, so going to be adding in there in over as well. 9.23, 9.24 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Walker, Texas Rangers. Spencer Howard goes for the Rangers. 
Lance Lynn on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox find themselves as big favorites between minus 215 and minus 225 plus price with Texas. Anywhere between plus 185 and plus 196. Nine is your total. Unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Overs between even and minus 105 for Howard. He has been just getting absolutely lit up. It was a case in which first time through the lineup, he was doing well. And then the next time through, he just got absolutely destroyed. Well, on his last start, he just got absolutely destroyed from hitter number one. It was just absolutely terrible. You got a guy here in Spencer Howard that has north of his 6 ERA so far this year. He's just getting banged around like a pinata. It is very sad to see. Meanwhile, you've got a Chicago White Sox team in which Lance Lynn is still trying to work his way off the injured list a little bit, but you take a look at him for the year, and he's been very solid. He's been giving up right around one home run per nine innings, 10-4 record, 250 ERA, and on the road, he's actually been better than at home. 231 road ERA in nine road starts has given up three home runs at 50 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are at 215 off of him, so he's been great. You've got a bullpen with the White Sox with guys like Jose Ruiz, Ryan Tapera doing a solid job, and then you add in there Liam Hendricks along Craig Kimbrell. These guys are dominant. For the Texas Rangers, Joe Barlow, sub-2 ERA coming out of the bullpen, been able to get a little bit of something out of guys like Brett Martin along Spencer Penn. I do like the upside of both of them, and for the Texas Rangers, got one big-time masher in Adolis Garcia. He's been able to give you 30 home runs so far this year. Got a trio of guys between 11 and 15 home runs. Nick Solak, Nate Lowe, along DJ Turn It Up Peters for Peters. He's got 10 home runs over the last 30 days for this team, but he's only been able to hit right around the middle line of 200. Leody Tavares has picked it up recently, but he's still only hitting about a buck 55 for this team. You've got Isaiah Canera Falefa along Nate Lowe, Willie Callum, all in between about a 255 to a 265. So got a little bit of something going on there for the Chicago White Sox. You got Tim Anderson back the fold. He's hitting a three. Luis Robert is hitting nearly a 350, by the way. He has been in fuego. And then you've got Eloy Jimenez, Lori Garcia, Jose Abreu, Joan Moncada, all in between about a 258 to a 270 with Mr. Abreu. 109 RBI going into yesterday. He has certainly been able to do the job. Cesar Hernandez has not been used a lot recently, only in about a 230, but has been able to supply 21 home runs. Gavin Sheets has seen some appearances recently as well. I certainly do think that the White Sox should be able to man handle the Texas Rangers in this spot. you got to figure that Spencer Howard is not going to be long for this game. If you're looking at the run line of the Chicago White Sox, finding that right around a minus 135, I was willing to lay up to about a minus 140 in this spot. So, we're going to be taking a shot here on the run line of the Chicago White Sox. And when it comes to this total, set it at an 8.7. So, we're going to be taking that White Sox run line to go along with an under 925-926 on the bank where the Seattle Mariners at the road faceoff against the Kansas City Royals. Chris with a K. Bubich is going to be going for the Royals. You say Kikuchi is going to be on the bump for the Mariners. Mariners find themselves between minus 120 and minus 125 favorites, plus price with the Royals. Between plus 110 and plus 105, seeing a plus 111 out there as well. Nine is your total. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And for Chris with a K. Bubich, he certainly has been setting a Bubich trap for anyone that's been betting on him because he has just given up the deep ball time and time again. This is a man that overall for the season has allowed 21 home runs on 110 innings. Has been much better at home though. Giving up 5 home runs at 50 and a third innings. Meanwhile on the road, 16 bombs at 59 and 2 thirds innings. A 429 home ERA, a 558 ERA on the road. He's been used sort of as a long reliever slash a starter so it's been a little bit fascinating there. And then you take a look at Yusei Kikuchi and he's been able to do just as well on the road as he has been able to at home. 421 home ERA, 426 road ERA. Has given up 16 home runs in 74 innings on the road compared to 11 in a similar amount of innings at home, but he has been able to do a good job of being able to get more swings and misses this year. This is a man that throughout 
throughout his career. Had been getting right around seven punch outs per nine innings this year, a little bit north of nine. Now with the Seattle Mariners, you don't have a lot of guys that give you a ton of batting average, but you do have a pair of guys with a combined 67 home runs going into yesterday in Mitch Anniger along with Kyle Seeger. You've been able to get quite a bit out of Ty France. He's been able to get right around 285. J.P. Crawford at the top of the fold. He's hitting a 265. Now you do take a look at who I mentioned a little bit earlier in Seeger. He, Tom Murphy, Orde Mamaloy, Shed Long, Jake Fraley, Cal Raleigh. You're able to throw in there Dylan Moore, Jared Kelnick. All these guys are hitting a 220 or lower, but then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals and you certainly haven't been able to get a lot out of Salvador Perez. Going into yesterday, a tying for the league lead in homers in 45 amount. That has been absolutely insane. He went Merrifield, both hitting a 278 going into yesterday. You've had Nicky Lopez hitting about a 300 for this bunch. Alberto Mondesi, Enzer Alberto, both of these guys are hitting right around 265. Now you do need to pick it up though with a few of these guys. Says Ed Alvarez, Ryan O'Hearn, Carlos Santana. These guys are in between about a 215 to a 225, so that's been a little bit of an issue. And then you take a look at the Royals bullpen, and it has been absolutely amazing ever since the Ulcer break top six with regards to bullpen ERA. Domingo Tapia has been able to give you some good innings. Jake Brents and Scott Barlow have been very soft for the team along Josh Shamon. And then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners and Casey Sadler is right around a one ERA. I do realize that Drew's second rider in the last series wound up giving up a couple runs, and Eric Swanson has regressed a little bit, but these guys have been very good. Diego Castillo wound up having a little bit of a rocky go of it in his first few appearances with the Seattle Mariners, but he's been able to rein it in now as a sub-3 ERA with the team as well. So, I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Kikuchi is going to be able to deliver on the road, and I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Chris with the K. Bubich at home. Set the solo at 9.2, so I'm going to be going over. Was willing to lay up to about a minus 135 with the Mariners, so we're going to be taking that as well. 9.27, 9.28 on the bang board. The Oakland A's at the road to face off against the LA Angels. Jose Suarez is going to be going for the Angels. Dalton Jeffries is going to be on the bump for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves as a minus 130 to minus 135 favorite. Plus 115 to plus 121 is your price on the Angels. Nine is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is between even and minus 105 for Mr. Suarez. It has been very much an up and down season, but he has been able to rein it in recently. He had a tough time finding his niche as a starter after being very good out of the bullpen. He had right around a buck 98 ERA as a reliever, but you take a look at him recently and he has given up a combined four runs in his last three starts and has given up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last six. And he has not given up a home run in each out of his last three starts. The walks are starting to get a little bit high. He's given up right around 3.4 walks per nine innings, but he has been able to do a significantly better job now than he did at the beginning of the year. But word of caution, 426 home ERA, 318 road ERA. So he's actually been much more effective on the road, though. He's only given up three home runs in 31 and two-thirds innings in L.A. And for Dalton Jeffries, he has made only one start so far this year, but in long relief, it looked really solid. In his first start of the year, that was against the L.A. Angels. Did give up three runs over the course of five innings, but was able to get the W outside of that in his last four appearances. He's given up a combined three runs. That was over the course of ten innings, so nothing great, nothing terrible there. A guy that doesn't necessarily walk a ton, but at the same time, he's backed up by an Oakland A.C. in which you've got a big-time masher, Matt Olson. 275 batting average. 35 home runs. And you've got a lot of guys on this Oakland A's team that have north of a 350 on base. Obviously, Olsen is in that fold. You've got Mr. Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, who currently leads the league in stolen bases. Tony Kemp, Mark Canna, all these guys are in that fold. Josh Harrison as well. And when it comes to what you've been able to get out of some of these guys with regards to power, it is a big loss that you currently don't have Matt Chapman. He's had a double-digit amount of farmers ever since the beginning of the month of August and was having really a 350 or greater on base ever since the beginning of the month of August. But then you take a look at Mark Canna, Seth Brown, Sean Murphy, all these guys with between 16 and 17 home runs. Jed Lowry, 
like pay a little about a 245 for this watch. Then you take a look at the Angels and Shoei Otani. Just ever since the latter part of July, July 28th on, he has been hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. That certainly does hurt this team. You do have quite a few guys that have been hitting in the realm of, I would say, about a 265 to a 275. David Fletcher, Jared Walsh, Phil Gosselin, Brandon Marsh all in that fold. But for Walsh, he's got five home runs ever since the All-Star break. David Fletcher since the beginning of the month of August. He's only hitting about a 240. Jose Iglesias is someone that they DFA'd for some reason. I have no idea why. Max Sassy hitting about a 255 for the team. Then you take a look at this Angels bullpen, and it has been a mess all season long. CC Shek has been able to give you something. And Kyle Tyler in the long relief role has been good, but Oliver Ortega, Alvis Peguero, Alvant Jose Quijada, these guys are not great. Rossi Iglesias is a good closer. And for the Oakland A's, second worst bullpen ERA over the last three days going into yesterday. Lou Trevino is just completely lost in the wilderness. Sergio Romo has been bad. Diego Lis Carrera at this point has been one of their better relievers, along with Jake Diekman. I do like what you're getting out of Andrew Chafin as well, but I just think that this is a spot in which Jose Suarez is going to be realizing a little bit of regression. I think that the Oakland A's are going to be able to get to him. So I would set this all at a 9.4. Going to be going over. And with the A's, was willing to lay up to about a minus 136 in this spot. So going A's along with the over. And we're going to wrap things up with 929-930 on the bang board. The Houston Astros are going to be playing with the years and the Diamondbacks. Umberto Castellanos faces his old team, the Astros. Meanwhile, Lance McCullough Jr. is going to be going for the Astros. Astros, sizable favorites of between minus 260 and minus 275, plus 220 to plus 237 is your price on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nine is your total over and under, both at minus 110. For Cassianos, at times he's actually given some halfway decent starts for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's got an ERA that has been not great, but at the same time, he has been able to rein it in a tad bit more. He's going up against a guy in Lance McCullers Jr. that throughout his career going into this year had an ERA that was right around two points better in Houston than on the road, but this year it has been quite a bit different as on the road, Lance McCullers Jr. As a 253 road ERA compared to a 359 at home. At home, he has given up eight home runs in 80 and third innings, four home runs in 64 innings on the road. Opponents are about a 206 off of him in both environments, so he's been able to be relatively consistent there. And then you take a look at Mr. Castellanos, a 390 ERA, which for the Arizona Diamondbacks is like absolutely amazing. You take a look at what he's done on the road a little bit better than at home. 368 road ERA, 411 home ERA, has given up three home runs over the course of 14 and two thirds innings, so a little bit of a small sample size there but opponents are in just a buck 96 off of them. Then you take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks lineup and you just don't have a lot of firepower. Everyone in this lineup has 12 home runs or fear because Eduardo Escobar wound up getting traded at the deadline, but you do have quite a few guys that are hitting in that neighborhood. I would say about a 260 to a 270-ish. You've got in there Josh Roas, Paven Smith, David Peralta, so they've been able to give you a little bit of something, and then you got the Marte Parte of Kitel Marte, hitting right around 325, and then you've got a Houston Astros team that, well, you've got a whole lot of guys that are able to give you a whole lot of something, as Carlos Correa along with Jordan Alvarez, you're able to throw in there Jose Altuve, and then you've also got in that fold as well, Kyle Tucker, all giving you at least 23 home runs, and all these guys hitting at least 1875, so that has been absolutely terrific for this team. I know that they been without Michael Brantley for a little bit, but he's been hitting above a 3 along the Yoli Gurriel. And then you've got a bullpen of the Houston Astros that has been pretty rock solid. Yimi Garcia has been able to give you some good innings. 
Kendall Graveman that's coming over from the Seattle Mariners has been solid. Ryan Presley has a sub two ERA. Blake Parker is coming along for the ride. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Joe Manette Tipley's been able to give you a bit of something. Brad Tate Geis, a north of 70 ERA. Failed starters in Taylor Widener and Jake Ferry are coming out of the bullpen. That's never a good combination. They've kicked the tires on Tyler Clipper to be able to give them some innings. So not necessarily great there, but I do think that Cassianos is at minimum going to keep the Arizona Diamondbacks within arm's reach. I was willing to take the Diamondbacks as long as I was getting north of a 225. Heck, we're right now finding them at a plus 235. So, we did take a shot here on the poopy Arizona Diamondbacks because McCullers hasn't necessarily been himself at home so far this year. I wound up saying this all at 8.8. So, going under along with the D-backs. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Saturday. A big thanks to Jeff Parles of the Vegas Ads and Information Network for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we all fire these in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means coming at you guys from the great state of Minnesota once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.